0: This is The Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral.com. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, Internet World, West Alabama. How are you doing? Today, on this Tuesday, February 20th, it is the Joe Gaither Show on Vama Central at vamacentral.com. Watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. We appreciate everybody who's tuned in and joined us, or you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Amazon. We appreciate you rating, subscribing, and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. What are we going to do today? As proud members of the Bama Central Broadcasting Network, you can find us at Bama Central, your Sports Illustrated home for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You can find us at BamaCentral.com, at Bama Central on the X Machine, at Alabama Crimson Tide on Sports Illustrated on Facebook, and on Alabama Bama Central SI on Instagram. We're going to talk about a bunch of things today. We're going to get into a handful of things. We're going to try a new segment, if you don't mind. Uh, as always, you can find us at Through 6 on all your social media machines. Jump in and subscribe, uh, shoot us a like, a comment, question, query, and complaint uh, right there on all the social media machines, Facebook, uh, Twitter, X Machine, uh, Instagram, whatever you want to do right there at Through 6 We're going to try a handful of different topics today. First, the college football playoffs solidified their model for the coming up season for the 12-team playoff model. Next, we're going to debut a segment. It's all going to be Alabama football related. We're going to call it 3-2-1. We're going to debut that. You guys can jump in and join us on that. And then we're going to talk about Alabama basketball and SEC basketball midweek, their midweek slate. And we will leave you with a little bit of baseball if we have a little bit of time. But we're just going to hang out uh, right here on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter at Joe JoeGather6. This is the Joe Gaither show on Bama Central. So let's jump right into it with the college football playoff and their announcement today that they are going to adopt. They're they're locking in the 5 plus 7 model for the coming up season, the 12-team playoff. Uh, and we're all, I guess, maybe you're excited about that. If you like the 12-team playoff, you can jump in and tell me. If you don't like that, you can jump in and tell me as well. But I am now pro-12-team playoff. I, was, I wasn't a pro-12-team pl- playoff uh, going into last season. But last season showed me or let me see that the changing landscape in college football is creating much more parity and it's making it a lot harder to win a national championship. You can see uh, Alabama going, you know, having a lot more st- struggles uh in conference play and people can say oh that's because Nick Saban's getting old I don't necessarily see it that way I think the talent is dispersing throughout college football and while Alabama still has had one of the top recruiting classes over the last several years uh there's been other teams that have jumped I mean Texas A&M wasn't a top end recruiter until NIL Texas has jumped there recruiting class up you know Miami has jumped in uh, into the game with two feet USC has as well like th- different programs are jumping in there and reviving themselves uh thanks to Nil and you know it, it, it is creating more parity in the sport so I am now pro 12 team playoff and so with that <laughs> with that uh I I think that uh it's a good th- you know, you see the five plus seventeen uh, plus seven model and you ask, Are you do you like it? Will you like it better than the six plus six, what you were kind of leaning towards? Uh, uh, a a year ago, but now the Pac-12 is dead, and you don't really have that many strong of conferences. What do you have? The SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC. You can debate amongst yourselves if the Big 12 and the ACC have the uh, power, have the cachet uh, to belong at the table. You are worried now, if you're the ACC, about Clemson and about uh, Florida State. Potentially moving uh, to conferences, uh, but, but right now they do have a seat at the table. You have five automatic qualifiers. The top five conference champions will go to uh, the confer- uh, go to the college football playoff, and then you're gonna have seven at-large bids. My friend Steven Stingray uh, joins me all- on the Facebook machine. Says, Joe, you aren't gonna talk about Alabama on the diamond. Alabama plays Middle Tennessee and Alabama State tomorrow. That's about all we're going to talk about it, unless we hit it at the very end of the show. Uh, I know Alabama baseball is 3-0, Stingray, and I appreciate you jumping in and joining us. Make sure you check out the Stingray Show on Tide 100.9 and on the various podcast platforms as well as they're interviewing all kinds of great guests. But uh, Alabama baseball still too early for me to really jump in with uh, both feet. I know they beat Manhattan three games in a row, and I uh, had a, three different types of games. The offense got going on Saturday, and then really the pitching – not so hot on Sunday uh, for the for the guys, so we'll see if they can keep things going, stay unbeaten this week against uh, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and then uh, Alabama State. I think they played Valparaiso all at the end of the week. But back to the college football playoff stingray, uh, we're going to talk, uh, if you like the 5 plus 7 model, we're going to use last season's college football rankings going into the playoff, Alabama with four, Florida State at five, Georgia at six, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we're basically going to break down what it's going to look like in the future with the new, with the, with the shifted model. Uh, you've seen, you know, basically the Big Ten has swallowed the Pac-12. Uh, the SEC is getting Texas and Oklahoma, and you're excited about that from an SEC perspective. But if you were to use and adopt this model, basically well, what would you have? Uh, you look Look at the playoff model, and you see five Big Ten teams would have been in the playoff. Six SEC teams. Now, this is just based off the top twelve. It's not based off the uh, the, the, the playoff the, the playoffs with the uh, with the conference champions. You've got five five Big Ten teams were in the top twelve. Six SEC teams were in the top twelve last year. One S ACC team. Good job, way to go, uh, Florida State. Nobody in the new Big Twelve was in the top 12, the highest ranked team in the new big 12 was Arizona at 14. So at 14, you're in the playoff, Arizona, the big 12 champion. You had three big 12 teams, three big, uh, three members of the new big 12 finish in the top 25. Okay. That's Arizona, Oklahoma state and Kansas state. And that's generous because Oklahoma state finished at 20 and Kansas state finished at 25. So basically what are we doing here? We are letting, Uh, small ball conferences like uh, the ACC and the big 12. And who knows what's going to happen with Oregon state and Washington state. The last two members of the PAC 12, are they going to combine with the mountain West? What are they going to end up doing? You're letting the American conference into uh, the college football playoff. You look at Liberty Liberty last year uh, came in. What like uh, 18, 19. And then they went to uh, the fiesta bowl and got their brains beaten in by Oregon. The, uh, the, now Big Ten Oregon team, the Big Ten, the, the Oregon Ducks, you have five to I mean, you have six teams, six Big Ten teams ended up in the top 25. So you have a huge disparity. Uh, so when you look at these seven at-large teams, you're basically fighting – uh, are you going to split it up three SEC squads and four Big Ten squads? Is it going to be four big ten, four, four SEC squads and four and, and three Big Ten squads? So you're going to have your SEC champion. Uh, good job. Your, your your game in Atlanta still matters. Uh, but basically, the rest of it, you're going to take your what next three for the SEC. So, what would that have been this year? It would have been your Georgia, Georgia gets in as runner up, and then what LSU and Tennessee get in. There. Well, Tennessee was far down, uh, it would have been Missouri, excuse me. It would have been Missouri and then LSU. Uh, is that what I have right? Where's my rankings? I know I have it on one of these. tabs. Yeah, right there. Boom. Thank you. Uh, it would have been Georgia and then Missouri and Ole Miss. Uh, would, would have been the next two, two squads. They would have, would have been in the playoff if you take that that model. Uh, well, shoot. Actually, Texas gets in there uh, because of they, they would have been uh, the highest ranked team. Uh, does Texas meet Alabama in an SEC championship game? That would have been wild. How would you have handled, uh, Texas would have been in an SEC championship game against Georgia in the new model. That's what it would have been. Oh my gosh. As we're all clicking, Texas would have been in an SEC championship game against Georgia. You get the winner. Loser is in. Alabama is the third squad, the third SEC squad. So basically, you've got your automatic qualifier. Alabama is your second. And then your third squad would have been Missouri. Yeah, Missouri coming in oh, as the next highest ranked team in the in uh, in the in the SEC at number nine. How wild would that be? And then, uh, hypothetically, your Big Ten championship game would have been your national title game, Michigan versus Washington, playing the, in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, and so Ohio State, they get a free pass in as the as one of the at-large's, probably one of the top at-large's. You play the Big Ten out. Essentially, you're going to have uh, the AC, the SEC. And the Big Ten Conference champion—they're probably going to be national title-worthy, worthy, worthy teams—and then you're going to have a handful of other automatic qualifiers like Florida State this past year, or who, who, who would have who would have qualified as your uh, as your Big Twelve champion? Oh, like we said, Arizona at 14, and then you, you continue on down here. Liberty at 23, undefeated. Liberty, great job. You're not even worthy of being on the so. It's going to be a mixture. It's going to be a different. Uh, it's going to be a different take on the playoff, and I wonder if you like it. I think that the imbalance in conferences is going to cause a quick shift in how the playoff is determined. Uh, right now, the, the they've locked in this this uh, this model. It seems like for two seasons, uh, 2024 and 2025, and so you win the SEC, Alabama, and you're in the college football playoff. If you're not, you better finish in the uh, what top three uh, out of you. You better finish in the top four because your top four is probably going to the college football playoff from an SEC perspective and Kalen DeBoer does that give you a little more cushion in your first season taking over for coach Nick Saban I would argue that it probably does I think it probably does give you more more, more cushion from a brand new coach's perspective because coach uh you, you know the champ the, the, the you know the uh the, the standard is championship or bust uh so you you know You may lose a game, drop a game. Think about the schedule this coming up season at Oklahoma and then the Iron Bowl the next week. You're going to Wisconsin. It's going to be a brutal schedule. Georgia is coming to Bryant-Denny Stadium. You're going to likely probably drop one, two, three, who knows how many games. Uh, But you can still finish in the top four of the SEC and get into the college football playoff. I think it's going to be pretty much an automatic berth. Uh, How do they split up those at-larges between the Big Ten and the SEC? And does the Big 12 have anybody? Does the Big 12 have anybody that's going to be worthy of getting one of those at-larges? Does the ACC have anybody? Will Clemson revive themselves? I mean, I mean the ACC had a pretty good year. You, you look at the ACC, they have five teams that finished. Uh, yeah, five teams that finished in the top 25, uh, the college football playoff. Yeah, Florida State at five, so they would have automatically qualified. Uh, Louisville, you're out, sorry, at 15. Uh, then you go to NC State at 18, Clemson at 22. The new ACC gets SMU, go Mustangs, at 24. So you've got five teams. What happens with Notre Dame? Notre Dame is now going to lean towards maybe joining a conference. I still think they won't uh, join a conference. I think that they're going to be too proud to do that and aren't going to want to share their NBC slash Peacock money. But if Notre Dame sees this new format, if you're Notre Dame, if if you're the fighting Irish and you're seeing this and you're like, okay, we can be the number one overall team in the country. We can go 12 and 0. We can beat everybody. We can beat Navy and Air Force and Boston College and beat you know all these you know mediocre teams that are on our schedule. Okay, the one game we'll get up for USC. We'll get up to play Southern California and play a real real team. Oh, we'll play a small mixture of ACC teams. We'll play sometimes you know NC State. Sometimes do they don't play a full ACC schedule? Uh, they play you know whoever they want to. They go play. They go play Navy in Ireland. Uh, and that sort of thing. That's why we don't take you seriously Notre Dame but 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 essentially, you can be number one the whole year, undefeated and you're not going to be in the college football playoff higher than seven, right? No, higher than six. So if you're Notre Dame, then you see the top five conference champions, and you see, oh, a team like Liberty, who's 23, undefeated. Yeah, but they're a conference champion. Or Arizona uh, at 14, the Big 12 champion. Yeah, they're a college conference champion. They're in higher rank than you at two or at three or at four, and you're like, what the hell, man? Oh, we had a much better season, even though we beat up on, uh, you know, we beat up on Air Force. Uh, We beat up on Georgia Tech. If you're number one, you get punished. Well, not punished, but you don't have that reward, that top five seed, uh, and you don't have the four the, the four seed. You're, uh, it's going to work out as the buy. So you're playing. Uh, you are playing on campus. That's great. You get the six, the number six seed, and you're playing a home game. But you could have a great season, and the college football playoffs is not going to reward you because you're not a conference champion. I do, I do like the emphasis that it places on the conference championship game. Uh, you, you you get the buy. But if you're Notre Dame, does that force you? Does that say, Notre Dame, uh, we're ready. We're ready to uh, bite our tongue and kind of bend the knee and join the conference. And If you're Notre Dame, you you happily go from 17 to 18 teams uh, if, if, you're, if you're the Atlantic Coast Conference. You're trying to hang on. You're trying to hang on for, for relevancy uh, to bite into the footprint that the Big Ten and the SEC already has. So it's going to be interesting to see how the college football playoff, the new – format plays out but if you're Alabama if you're Kalen DeBoer, I think this is a positive thing the five plus seven instead of the six plus six you get the extra team that's at large I mean you are always going to have to make room at the table for a non I guess it's group of four this power four conference with SEC big 10 big 12 and ACC do the big 12 do the big 12 and do the ACC even belong you uh, look at the ACC the, the SEC oh excuse me You look at the big 12 and it doesn't even look like a conference that belongs like, like like it looks like the American, it looks like the American conference. It looks like a second rate basketball conference at this point. Uh, When you think about it from a football standpoint, but they're going to have an automatic seat at the table. I think that this model will change very quickly. So uh, let's enjoy it for what it is right now. You're probably, you're going to get two, two years of it, five plus seven. If you're head coach, Caitlin DeBoer, and you're taking over Alabama, obviously your best path to the college football playoff is winning the SEC. But if you finish in that top four of the SEC, I think you put yourself in great position to be one of those automatic qualifiers, get one of those seven spots. So it'll be a lot of fun to see how that plays out this season. Uh, let's get into and, and try a new segment. We're going to try a football-centric segment. We're going to call it three, two, one. Before we do that, we want to tell you about our friends at Druid City Music Hall. Druid City, unfortunately, their, the concert is canceled tonight. So if you're planning on going to see the Brook and the Bluff, they have canceled their show due to sickness in the band, and that's very sad. But there are three more opportunities for you to see live music right here in Tuscaloosa. You can see the Pigeons playing ping-pong on Wednesday. That's tomorrow night. You can see 4. 49 Winchester on Thursday in two nights. And you can see the stews on Friday. Uh, That's going to be in three evenings. I'm going to be there on Friday to see the stews. They remind me a lot of a young Kings of Leon. So they sounded uh, great. It's going to be right down there on the strip. You can see them. Get tickets at druidcitymusichall.com. You can join me on Friday. If country is more your thing, more classic rock country sound, you can hear 49 Winchester on Thursday. Pigeons playing ping pong was a bit... Of an, uh, was a bit of an eclectic sound. It was a bit of a jam bandy type. unfreeze McGee. A little bit of a Talking Heads vibe. Uh, a lot of fun there. But uh, but but. So I encourage you to check out all the all the acts right down there at Druid City Music Hall uh, on the Strip, right there in Tuscaloosa. You can get your tickets at DruidCityMusicHall.com. Okay, let's move into. Three, two, one. All right. Three, two, one. We're just going to basically use the numbers to count down and basically outline our segments. Uh, three, obviously, uh, uh, and this is all Alabama football related. Uh, for three, we're going to debut and we're going to talk about three new coaches in the last, uh, what, 24 hours. Yesterday, we talked just a little bit about Brian Ellis and Chris Kapilovich. Uh, we're also going to throw in Christian Robinson. All right. The three coaches were hired in the last 24, 48 hours or so. Uh, and why. Obviously, you know the vacancy with Ryan Grubb leaving and Scott Huff going with him to the Seattle Seahawks. You wish them well. You had to replace those guys, along with an offensive line coach and a tight ends coach. You did that with Chris Kapilovich and Brian Ellis. Uh, what's up with Christian Robinson? Alright, middle of the day yesterday, William Inge, who is supposedly coming to, onto the staff of uh, a former co-defensive coordinator for the Washington Huskies, is uh, supposedly coming to Tuscaloosa to coach your linebackers. It comes out you look at the news and boom William Inge is going to Tennessee the University of Tennessee he's going to be coaching the linebackers and being a code defensive coordinator with the volunteers instead of here in Tuscaloosa. So you got to replace him, uh, and that stings to a degree. Obviously, you lose a little familiarity, as William Inge has spent the last two seasons with Kalen DeBoer. So you go out and you hire Christian Robinson to be an outside linebackers coach. Christian Robinson has been with the Baylor Bears. So in quick succession, you get two coaches off the Baylor staff. Now, Chris Kapilovic, is not real well. Is he a Baylor coach? Is he not? He's been with the Baylor Bears since December. Basically, he was an off-season addition, and he's jumped jobs twice now in the offseason from Michigan State to Baylor, and now from Baylor to Alabama. Uh, and you look at his record along the offensive line, and you think, okay, how do you judge an offensive line coach? And it's really difficult, and I don't want to be critical of, uh, you know, things that you don't know that are going on at Michigan State. Let's go with a really easy metric. Do you have any NFL prospects? Do you have any NFL NFL players? Uh, you spent, what, 2020, 21, 22, and three, four seasons at Michigan State. Did you put anyone into the league right now? And the answer, for Alabama fans, happily, is yes. There are two guys. Now, granted, it's Michigan State. It's not Alabama. It's not turning out NFL prospects like it is a factory at Ohio State or like it is at Georgia or like it would be at Alabama. But they've got two two guys that are on NFL NFL rosters right now: Kevin Jarvis and AJ Akuri. Kevin Jarvis is an undrafted free agent. He is with the Buffalo Bills. He hasn't spent he hasn't seen any time in an NFL game, but he's been on and off, turning the bottom of the end of the roster for the last two seasons. And he spent time with Michigan State. Spent four uh, five years at Michigan State. He spent what three? Uh, that's two years underneath Chris Kapilovich's, uh tutelage. And so boom, there's your, there's your guy right there in the NFL. And then AJ Akuri is a seventh round draft pick for the Los Angeles Rams. He played in eight games last season. So he's a new player in the NFL. He's a, last year was his first year, 2023. Uh, and so boom, he is a easily a Chris Kapilovich project, uh, And you see who's the kid that went to uh, the Seahawks. Uh, Goodness gracious, Kenneth Walker. Thank you. Uh, Kenneth Walker, great running back out of Michigan State. Uh, Had a lot of great holes to run through uh, up there in the Big Ten. There was some time uh, where he was in some Heisman consideration. Uh, I believe, didn't he win the Dope Walker Award that year? Uh, But he he, he did not win the the Heisman. He he didn't end up uh, finishing as high what he went like four or five games where he was pretty highly rated, but you got to run behind an offensive line. So this is Chris Kapilovich. You got two guys in the NFL. You hope to see that uh, encourage, uh, you hope to see that continue. Obviously, Tyler Booker is a shoe in. You can't really count uh, him as a Kapilovich project, even though he's going to spend one year with him this year. Uh, you look at Kapilovich and hopefully he's going to get the most out of these three freshmen offensive linemen who have come in, Casey Poe or Joe, Joe and and William Sanders, and then you're just going to see who else they can get in the transfer portal. Uh, you look at Brian Ellis. Brian Ellis, the kid, the, well, he's not a kid, uh, 35 years old, young guy uh, coming over from Georgia Southern. Former offensive, uh, offensive coordinator, Georgia Southern. He's coming to Tuscaloosa to be the tight ends coach. And you look at his coaching record, well, who has he coached? He spent time yesterday, we, we, we talked about him spending time at Southern Cal and at Western Kentucky. Well, when he was with the Southern Cal Trojans, uh, he coached a young man named Sam, Sam Darnold, who was in Heisman contention and ended up being a top five NFL draft pick. Did Sam Donald have a little bit of a turnover problem? Absolutely, but uh, working with Sam Donald is great for your resume. Then, when you're with Western Kentucky, what do you do? Well, you just turn Bailey Zappi into an NFL product. Uh, Bailey Zappi, obviously, you saw, you've seen from an Alabama perspective what he has done in New England, pushing Mac Jones for starters uh, for the starters role in New England. We'll see. I think New England's going to dump them both this offseason. But Bailey Zappi, you worked with Bailey Zappi, you worked with Sam Darnold. Now you go to Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern's been kind of a bit mid since uh, since uh, since jumping into uh, since jumping into FBS. Uh, they were amazing, unbelievable in the FCS as an FCS program, but they have you know struggled to find their way as an FBS program. But he's do- he's become here as an offensive coordinator. Now he's the tight ends coach. And he's going to be working with uh, he's going to be working with CJ Dupree. Uh, he's no longer going to be working with Amari Black, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to see how they work out with a guy like uh, K- K- uh, Caleb Odom, uh, CJ Dupree, and we'll find out who else is in that tight end room uh, when we get on to number two out of three, two, one. Uh, lastly, finally, on Christian Robinson, back to Christian Robinson. He's coaching off out, outside linebackers. He's spent uh, a couple of years, two, three years under Dave Aranda. Uh, Dave Aranda, one of the best defensive minds in. in In football. Now, Christian Robinson is a young guy. He played college football uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs 2009 to 2012. So he's really uh, not. He, he's not brand new. Obviously he spent four years at Florida. He spent a season at Auburn. So he spent time in the sec coaching linebackers. He knows uh, what he's doing in that regard. And boom, there's your guy. If anybody's worried about the Southern connections uh, on the staff for the DeBoer, I know that's a, a concern for some people, but Christian Robinson gives you that and gives you a youthful perspective. Not quite, Brand new, but obviously not an old older fella as well. So a handful of young, young guys on the staff in the last 24-48 hours. And once again, Your staff is complete. Yesterday on the show, we said the staff was complete, and then once we hit end, after a couple hours, William Inge, uh, news breaks that he was going to Tennessee, and really that vacancy didn't last more than what, what, 25, 35 minutes? Uh, Christian Robinson filling that, and once again, your staff is full. So if anybody's worried about that staff or curious about that staff, from top to bottom, offensive coordinator on down, you got Nick Sheridan. Nick Sheridan's going to be working really closely with Jamarcus Washington, who's coaching wide receivers and and co-offensive coordinator Robert Gillespie uh former running backs coach is still right there running backs coach uh Chris Kapilovich offensive line coach Brian Ellis tight ends coach then you flip other side of the ball King Womack, defensive coordinator then you go Christian Robinson outside linebackers coach Maurice linguist secondary coach uh Colin Hitchler is coaching secondary as well and Freddie Roach along the defensive line so that's going to be your Alabama staff and that is number three for number two, we're going to talk about two new transfers. Two new transfers uh, coming to Alabama football in the last twenty-four hours. Uh, you look online and you can see them. You can find out. Keon Sab is one of them. Uh, safety out of the University of uh, the University of Michigan. Excuse me, uh, UM. Yeah, UM. University of Michigan. And then you look and and, and Josh. Oh, my gosh, all my tabs are, are going crazy. Josh Cuevos, uh tight end out of Washington. So two, two new transfers coming to Tuscaloosa in the last 24 hours. Uh, you get your first defensive transfer. Let's start with uh, with Keon. Let's start with Keon Sa You get your first defensive transfer in the Kalen DeBoer era. Yeah, you, he joins Damani Jackson and LT Overton as defensive transfers in this cycle. But both LT and Damani uh, committed to Alabama. Under Nick Saban, they both stayed uh, under the transition. So Sab becomes your first defensive recruit, your defensive transfer per se. And why is he available? He's available because Jim Harbaugh, after winning the national championship in Michigan, if you turned off the season and said college football's over after he won the national championship, he went and shopped himself around, and now he's the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. So he, uh, so they go into a 30-day uh, period where the the window's wide open, and Keon. former four-star safety, comes and says, I want to come join the Alabama Crimson Tide. And so he becomes your first defensive commit. And what's he bring? He brings 18 games of experience, uh, 14 this past season for the national championship winning Michigan Wolverines. He's got two interceptions this past season. Uh, He started a couple of games, a handful of starts. Look, in the national championship game, he had six tackles against the Washington Huskies. Only one tackle against Alabama, uh, credited with five pass break Ups on the year as a rotational safety, uh, I think he's going to make for a very interesting prospect for Alabama this coming up season. And you see the need. The need is very obvious for safety. Uh, you look at Jalen Key, he's gone. Uh, you look at Caleb Downs, he's gone. And unfortunate for both uh, in both situations, I mean, Jalen Key, he's just out of eligibility. Like Caleb Downs, he's gone for the transfer portal due, due to NIL and fit. And You wish him well. But you've got a need, you got a hole there in the safety position for the back end, Somebody Somebody's got to play beside, besides Malachi Moore, uh, and maybe Keon Saab is that guy. Now, a lot of people are suggesting that Keon Saab being, was being recruited by all these schools because he's got two younger brothers. Keon Sab is out of New Jersey. He went to IMG, and he's now uh, been, been at Michigan two years. Uh, he's got, what, three years' worth of eligibility because I guess he held, holds on to his red shirt. From the first year, uh, that that would be my guess. The first year only played in four games. But Keon Sab has got he's got two younger brothers, Amari Sab and Xavier Sab. Twenty twenty six for Amari Sab, twenty twenty seven for Xavier. Uh, both these guys are athletes out of New Jersey. Here's what I'm going to say. I think it's great to think forward uh, ahead, but you don't waste a scholarship. You don't waste a roster spot uh, on on guys because they've got younger brothers down the pipeline. Especially when you're taking over what is a brand new program for Kalen DeBoer. He's going to have to use these. I mean, does he, will it help? Is it a small aspect? Is it a gold star? Is it like a little uh, cherry on top? Absolutely. But you got to go get guys who can play. And uh, Keon Sab will see if he can uh, join the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, And he's leaving. I mean, look. He leaves Michigan, national championship to, uh, winner, and he comes to Alabama. Uh, I guess he's seeking a little more playing time or a better fit. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that works out for him here in Tuscaloosa or a bigger, bigger stage right here in the SEC. Uh, secondly, number two, the second uh, commit uh, for our 3-2-1 and number two, Josh Cuevas, uh, tight end out of uh, Washington, and he becomes the fourth, Washington Husky to transfer uh, from Washington to Tuscaloosa, joining Kaelin DeBoer. Uh, what's that? Austin Mag, uh, Parker Brailsford. You got Jeremy Bernard, and now Josh Cuevas, and every all all four of them are on the offensive side of the ball. Josh Cuevas, 6'3", 6'4", 240, tight end, sophomore. Look, he's uh, well, he's going to be a junior when he comes to comes to Tuscaloosa. Is he is a playmaker? No. He only has, what, four receptions, 160-something yards, and a touchdown last year. But he does know the offense, and I guess that helps you uh, get guys in every room. Now you've got Jeremy Bernard, who can help the wide receivers. I guess you're going to have uh, Josh Quavos, who can help the tight ends. you got Parker Brailsford in the offensive line room. And Austin Mack, I, I, I guess you got to go see if they got a, a running back. Do they have a running back? Or maybe Josh Quavos can play H-back and uh, get himself in the backfield and play tight. In and you've got a Washington Husky, a former uh, former Carolina Board player in every room except for the running back room and the offensive room for Alabama, helping everybody learn this offense. I don't think that uh, Cuevas is going to be like a really impactful player. Will he make a couple receptions? Sure, I'm sure he will. Uh, but I don't think that he's going to be a dynamic weapon in this offense. So, uh, but it's fun to see two new players. Uh, you got three new coaches, two new play, two, two new players, and number one is going to be yesterday's with the first day of the fourth quarter program. Number one. First day, that's where it gets, all gets started. Now, David Ballou is still your strength and conditioning coach, uh, and I imagine a lot of things are still going to be similar in the fourth quarter program under David Ballou. I'm sure a couple things will be tweaked, uh, but under David Ballou, you're going to have uh, the first day get started, and really, you're, it's going to be here before you know it. You've got the spring transfer window in April. You've got A-Day coming up in April. You're sitting here February, February 20th, March, the whole month of March. And then, boom, middle of, middle of April, we're sitting here celebrating A-Day. It's going to be here before you know it. The Caleb DeBoer era has been flying by. He's six, seven weeks into his time here in Tuscaloosa. He talked about it on the Mac and Cube show in uh, up, up there in Birmingham, WJOX in Birmingham, and talked about how it's been nice to settle into a routine over the last week or so and how they've are utilizing the transfer portal. You can read about that on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. Uh, they've got only a couple scholar, only a couple couple scholarship positions left. You look at what the roster says on rolltide.com and you count them up one by one by one, and you see what what did I have? 76. I had 76. And then you've got eight early enrollees. Uh well, not early, uh, eight summer enrollees for the 2024 class, with our friend Amari Jefferson being among them. Uh, Ryan Williams, Amari Jefferson, Steve Mbuamua, there's going to be eight of them. So that brings you up to 84, 76 plus eight, check my math, 84. Uh, You're supposed to have 85 or under. Caitlin DeBoer on Mac and Cube this morning saying we have a couple of scholarships, not a lot, but a couple of scholarships left. That leads me to believe that one of the kickers that I've counted, one of the local kids, one of the in-state products is not actually on scholarship, and maybe the number is not at 84. Maybe it's at 83 or 82, uh, and that gives you a little more flexibility. When you get to that spring transfer window, April 15th, it's going to be two days after a day. Everybody's going to have had their chance to go through spring for quarter in spring, you see the new regime, you see where you stand on the depth chart, You know, especially with the new Washington players coming in, that gives you a great picture of what to do going forward. Those 15 days are going to be pivotal. Maybe a couple more guys go into the transfer portal from an Alabama perspective. You're thinking about getting one, two, three more players out of the portal. If an Alabama player goes, everyone for, every player that goes in is a player that can come back out uh, from the portal. So I wouldn't worry so much about roster management going forward. You're sitting right there on the scholarship limit, 83, 84. Depends on how some of the scholarships break out. Uh, and I think you've got a little bit more room to grow from an Alabama perspective. It's going to all work out. Let these guys get into spring. Your number one is yesterday was one the first day of, fourth quarter program with it being the first day of fourth quarter program if you didn't see it on the twitter machine you can check out paul constantine paul constantine is at pc strength underscore 81 and paul constantine if you're not aware he was a former basically strength and conditioning coach slash uh off-field advisor he served in a role off the field and player development and paul constantine is leaving for a strength and conditioning position with the atlanta falcons Ooh, boy! Yesterday on his uh, social media machine, he bench presses 500 pounds uh, for his last bench press here at the University of Alabama before he goes off to the Atlanta Falcons. So you celebrate Paul Constantine hitting that mark and you wish him well. I'm uh, not really a big Atlanta Falcons fan here. I uh, kind of love when they lose, uh, but you wish everybody well in their next professional endeavor. So there's your three, two, one, three new Alabama coaches, two new Alabama players, and first day one the first day of Alabama's fourth quarter program, getting kicked off on a Monday, making it a huge day of Alabama football yesterday. Uh, and you see, Kayla, DeBoer pivoting every single time. I mean, you lose your your offensive coordinator, you lose your offensive line coach, boom, pivot. You lose your veteran inside linebackers coach and William M. Inge, boom, pivot. You got a got a, got a safety who's you know a hot little prospect out of Michigan that interested in joining your program. has got a relationship with Courtney Morgan already, of course. Of course, you take him. I think it's going to be a lot of fun following Kalen DeBoer. Uh, you can continue to do that on Bama Central and bamacentral.com, your sports illustrated home for the Alabama Crimson Tide. All right, let's keep the program rolling on a Tuesday, and we appreciate everybody who's joining us on Facebook and on Twitter and on YouTube at JoeGather6. And, of course, you're subscribed to the Bama Central YouTube channel at Bama Central. If you're not, you should be. Uh, we put up all the press conferences that we are at. We put up all kinds of clips, all kinds of behind-the-scenes coverage uh, right there at the Bama Central YouTube channel, so you can be a part of that by subscribing to the Bama Central YouTube channel. Let's keep this bad boy going by talking about SEC basketball midweek later. We're going to talk about the SEC midweek slate and we'll see what else we have on our brains as we finish it up. Okay. It's not a great midweek slate, especially tonight. If you are trying to look entertained, uh, Tuesday, 6 PM number five, Tennessee goes to Missouri. We talked a little bit about Missouri the other day. Are they going to go winless in the SEC? I think they might. They're going to get absolutely destroyed. tonight. Tennessee 11, and a half, 11 and a half point favorite. I think the volunteers win and cover bigly. Uh, I'll also, 6 o'clock, this is going to be on ESPN. Oh, they're hurting on programming if this is on ESPN. Arkansas is at Texas A&M. The Hogs trying to uh, salvage something out of their season, and Texas A&M trying to bounce back after losing two road games last night. Texas A&M at 11 and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Arkansas to cover, but Texas A&M to win. So Tennessee to win and cover, Arkansas to cover, uh, but A&M to win in tonight's midweek slate. Oh, for Wednesday. Let's get into Wednesday, and we'll finish with Alabama and Florida. Georgia is at Vanderbilt at 7.30 on SEC Network. Uh, look, Georgia's going to win. They need to win. Vanderbilt might slip up and bite you, though. Georgia's got that program. They haven't been able to play 40 minutes with, with, with anyone. Uh, they play close with pretty much everybody, and fade in the end. Maybe Vanderbilt can bite them, but I'm going to take the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, uh, At 8 o'clock on ESPN, the Kentucky Wildcats are going down to LSU. They're going to try to win another game game on the road after beating Auburn in Neville Arena what on Saturday. So they're trying to bounce back and make it three in a row against Ole Miss, Auburn, and now LSU. I think Kentucky will win. LSU maybe, though, coming off a nice win on the road against South Carolina. Maybe they can defend home court and really end the Kentucky Wildcats' chances at winning the SEC regular season. And and then the the nightcap at 8 o'clock on ESPN2 is the Egg Bowl at Mississippi State, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. You had the, this is the return trip. Mississippi State played Ole Miss pretty close, uh, but lost over in Oxford. I'm going to say it flips, and Mississippi State wins in Starkville. Uh, so there you go. Now, 6 o'clock, that's what you're all worried about, 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Go ahead, make your plans, ask your boss to get off early, ask your boss to, you know, to make your plans that you're going to leave at work at 4 o'clock. It's a 6 o'clock tip-off. It's on ESPN2. Don't Use the early tip-off as a reason why you can't be there. Uh, it's a big game for Alabama. They got what four, five? They have five more quad one games remaining on the schedule. And it starts with number 24, Florida, who's really been on a little bit of a heater. Uh Florida's been a really nice offensive rebounding team, and you saw Alabama really, really struggle with that on Saturday. Now, can Alabama shoot the lights out? They're gonna be playing at home. Of course they can. They're gonna be probably gonna make 40, 43, 40, percent and, uh, from beyond the arc. But Florida's coming on a three-game winning streak. They've won, what, three, four, five? Look at, look at this. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their last eight. Uh, their, their, their last loss was at Texas A&M, and, then they, and they lost at Tennessee a couple of weeks before that. Uh, so they're, they're playing real good basketball. They won at Kentucky. They beat Auburn. Y'all saw that, and that really helped Alabama uh, retain first place in the SEC standings. It's going to be a dogfight. Florida's going to come in there and try to chuck up a bunch of shots and go rebound them and, and get to the free throw line, and they're they're going to try to you know really play. A lot of similar ways to Alabama. Can Alabama make three-pointers the way that they they have been uh, lately in Coleman Coliseum? If you make 18 three-point shots, uh, Alabama's going to be a tough team to beat. And uh, So you're going to have to see that at 6 o'clock on Col- uh, in Coleman Coliseum on ESPN2. And I think they, uh, the Crimson Tide will win and keep their streak, uh, their SEC home, home, home streak alive. So with that, we're going to pretty much wrap up the program. We talked on the show today about the college football pl- pl- uh, playoff new format being finalized five uh, conference champions and seven at larges i do think it's going to only last the two seasons before it gets adjusted again unless uh, unless the acc and the big 12 can prove their worth can prove how you know i don't predict them to to get that many that many at larges you look at the past year Florida State would have been in uh, automatic qualifier from the ACC, but they don't get anyone else because your next best team is Louisville at 15. Yeah, Arizona gets in from the Big 12 as your automatic qualifier, as your conference champion, but they don't get anyone else. So are they really on par with the Big 10 and with the SEC? Uh, I think you're going to see these two uh, conferences – Really use their strength to dictate terms to get this thing working in their favor. You're going to see the SEC and the Big Ten really dominate those seven at-large spots. So we, so we talked about the college football playoff. We played a little game of three-two-one. We're going to try to keep that as a weekly segment, and you can uh, comment what you want to talk about. Uh, what you think our, our three-two-one topic should be today? It was basically newness. Uh, you have three new coaches, you have three new players in the from the transfer portal, and it's a new part of the Cal- as, as it's the number one the first day of the fourth quarter yesterday uh, over there at the Hank Crisp indoor facility for Alabama football. And then we rounded it up with SEC basketball, a little midweek slate this week, kind of a boring midweek slate. If you ask me, uh, maybe LSU pulls off an upset, and that's kind of your biggest, most pivotal game outside of Alabama's game with, with, with Florida. If Alabama is able to win, all else doesn't really matter. Uh, the rest is kind of uh, in the wash as Alabama has a huge week with Florida coming to Coleman Coliseum on Wednesday and then going to Lexington, going to Rupp Arena on Saturday. So it's going to be a huge week, and you can follow it right here at Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. So, with all that being said, we want to thank our friends and our partners at Druid City Music Hall. Unfortunately, their show tonight is canceled. Uh, The Brook and the Bluff, they've already rescheduled uh, their show for some point in April, and we'll tell you more about that as it gets closer. But right now, they've got three shows the rest of the week. Pigeons playing ping pong on Wednesday, and then they're going to have 49 Winchester on Thursday. A little bit of a country, uh, classic rock sound, very southern rock with four, 49 Winchester. And then the stews is, are going to be playing on Friday. Very Kings of Leon, very uh, v- v- very alternative rock. I'm going to be actually in there myself on Friday, enjoying the stews, and I hope you are as well. You can see them and get your tickets now at druidcitymusichall.com. We really appreciate that them being a part of the show. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Joe Gaither show. We encourage you to follow us at Joe Gaither six, subscribe rate and review at Joe Gaith- at the Joe Gaither show on Bama central on Spotify, Apple podcasts and on Amazon. And of course, find us right there at Bama central and at BamaCentral.com. Thanks for joining us on today's edition of the Joe Gaither show on Bama central. Keep up with Joe on all his social media pages at Joe Gaither six. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and be sure to read us daily at BamaCentral.com.